0: Hello, everyone. Rob Guest from Football.London here, and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Top Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. Joining me today, it's Alice the Gold. Ali, how are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good. I'm glad we're kind of doing the podcast now rather than a couple of days ago. It is much nicer to talk about a really impressive win, a new contract on the way for a very good young player. Um, although I have to ask you, obviously you weren't at the last couple of games you're enjoying everton's delightful uh, back-to-back victories what was kind of what was better for you watching that or was it more distressing that you missed richarlison probably putting in his best performance he has yet for spurs
0: no watching everton more enjoyable i know richarlison's <laughs> got another 25 premier league goals in him this season so plenty uh, plenty more to come uh, but no, it was uh, nice to see a 3-0 win over Newcastle. Did a bit of a scouting report, obviously, for you. Which that was no very, one, very helpful. Yeah, uh, and said no that was seen. great.
1: <laughs> he said it was a very long email you sent, though.
0: <laughs> but uh, no, it's just good to see Spurs getting back to winning ways as well. Much needed. Just hard to believe that. The last victory was Crystal Palace away, end of October. Uh, I mean, they have performed well in those games where they have lost, just as we've said numerous times on the podcast, it's just about taking chances. And they didn't, but they did on Sunday against Newcastle. And really good 4-1 win, and hopefully the start of things to come now.
1: Yeah, I hope so. You know, social media went a bit mad in the week. And it's like, I understand the frustration of the results hadn't been great at all. You know, they hadn't uh, won in five matches, although... One of those was a draw at the Etihad, which was, you know, that second half was fantastic there. And the football was still being pretty decent on the whole. But I did feel like people went a little bit overboard in in the days ahead of this game. It was a lot of doom and gloom suddenly returned and panicking. And I saw people on, especially on Twitter saying, you know, or X, I think we have to call it nowadays, that oh you know there's just just why they tippy tappy around the back play it out hit it long it's like oh you've just kind of missed the entire point of everything that's happening at Tottenham Hotspur right now. It's a completely different Spurs and there's gonna be bumps along this road. You know, Postal who's warned everyone enough um what was to come and to be fair we kind of have tried to as well. We've mentioned that there was going to be a sticky spell at some point. Um And yeah, and it came and hopefully this was the result that everyone needed to just be reminded, I guess, of the direction that the club are heading in. Um, I should say, and I think we have to, is that Newcastle were knackered. They were. They got similar injury issues to Spurs. And I do think, Postacogri mentioned it afterwards, I think it was quite pivotal that... Spurs finally had the relief of being able to bring in Richarlison and Sarr. Just two fresh pair of legs through the middle of the team just made a big difference, whereas I think Newcastle were naming the same starting eleven for five games in a row, and it did show. However, I saw Phil um, McNulty from BBC popped in his report after the game that Newcastle still had £100 million in attacking talent up front and barely made a dent on Spurs at the back, Um, I think. Obviously, they scored in the consolation goal, but I can't actually remember Vicario having to make any save of note at all in the game. So it's, yeah, that there's kind of, there's two sides. But I do, I think we kind of have to give Newcastle that aspect because it is something that has affected Spurs as well. But on the whole, yeah, this was a move back in the positive, positive direction in terms of results. Um, hopefully, sets them up now for a nice little run um, of fixtures leading into 2024, really, as long as they can uh, harness the momentum.
0: Yeah, very much so. I think looking at the Newcastle team, still a really good team that they've managed oh, to yeah. put out. Probably just missing, obviously, Nick Pope and but Dubravka coming in. He's, you know, a really good Premier League keeper with experience, missing Botman at the back, but. Other than that, no, I thought it was a pretty strong Newcastle team. But Spurs, you know, fully deserved that win yesterday. Uh, There were a couple of openings for Newcastle. uh, But I think there was a key intervention inside the first 10 minutes or so. And that was Ben Davis. Uh, I mean, what a piece of play that was from him. Uh, When Anthony Gordon went through on the left, looked like he'd put it on the plate for Alexander Isak, And then Davis just nips in, just gets that touch and wins a goal kick for Spurs. I mean, if that had gone in, who knows what would have happened.
1: Yeah, it was a really big moment, that. Even Ben Davies, who's probably the most modest person ever when they're being interviewed, in his interview after the game with the club, he said, yeah, no, it was was a big (laughs) moment. It was one of those where, had they scored, there could have been an edginess in the crowd, it could have fed into the pitch, it could have all kind of gone in a different direction. And as he kind of explained it, it's one of those balls across that was it's just like a defender's nightmare because the odds are you're more likely to put it into your own net if you're going to try and intercept it than anything else. But he just got this beautiful little nick on it that sent it almost against Izak. And then he couldn't really harness any kind of shot. Um, that was very good. I thought Ben Davies played very well again. He definitely looks more so much more comfortable, understandably alongside another, a proper natural center back. Um, and Postecoglou loves Ben Davies. Uh, kind of, he was talking even after the game about how he's essentially had to turn Ben Davies into a centre back this season. He's he's just kind of come in, no fuss, done what he's had to do. As Ben Davies said, he's played with like loads of different people in the role. I mean, he's played with Dyer, Emerson, Van Der Ven briefly as well. Um, obviously, Romero back now. He's never kind of had a, a settled partner, and now, you know we'll have to see what happens with van de ven but you know it could potentially be mid to late january he's back um if you know if he remains on on track and romero and davies as long as romero doesn't get either another red card or this fifth yellow card because he is now on four um then you know they might get a little run together as a partnership and and you know and, and who knows what that will that will kind of look like as, as it gets stronger and stronger. Um, that's not to say that Van de Ven won't come back in when he's fully fit, but it just gives Postacoglu something to think about. And I thought, yeah, I thought Ben Davies was... You know, out of everyone I thought we'd start with today, I didn't think it was Ben Davies. No. <laughs> but, he, but he did very well. And I guess it was one of the first big moments of the game. Um, I should also stress, I've just realised, me saying that you were watching Everton and not Spurs, you have watched the full game, haven't you, in its entirety since...
0: I have uh, caught last 25 minutes of it last night when they got back from Goodison. Then I watched, obviously, the first 65, 70 minutes of it this morning. So, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, done 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 my, I've done my homework. Uh, did you notice Ben Davis's celebration as well when he no. cleared the ball? Yeah, a little fist pump. He was really chuffed nice. with that.
1: It's uh, the old cliche, it's like a goal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's for a defender, it's like a goal at the other end kind of thing.
0: Yeah, no, that was a very good play. But I mean, whilst Newcastle did have a couple of openings, Spurs had plenty going forward.
1: Oh, honestly. it's And the strange thing was, exactly the same amount of shots as they had against West Ham, 23 shots. But the difference is they put 12 of them on target this time. And Dubravka had to make so many saves. And on top of that, you had... Uh, Brennan Johnson hitting the woodwork, hit the left hand post twice, once at each end. Um, you had Richardson had another effort when Kudelski's cross bounced up right in front of him, and he was just like an inch away from getting his head and knocking it in. It could—I don't think Newcastle could have complained if that game ended up six or seven um, to them. In a way, I kind of you don't think about it too much, but it was the the first game since that mauling at St James's Park. It really was um, a chance for some revenge, and and they took it, and it could have been that similar kind of scoreline. It really could have. Um, Spurs were were excellent. I liked the switch back with Son going to the left again and Richarlison coming through the centre. I know we're going to talk about Richarlison properly in a bit, but just the freer version of Richarlison and Son back. And it was actually, it's a great reasoning for why he did it. Postecoglou said after the game that he just felt like a lot of Spurs' chances in the recent games had been coming out on the flank. And he wanted someone, he wanted the club's best finisher to be on that kind of edge. And as it was, <laughs> the only goal Son got was a penalty. It's weird the way it worked, but actually putting him back there just put him back for a bit into a very comfortable role that he knows well. It gave Spurs so much pace down the flanks. I mean, Johnson, Son, I love the the kind of pace. And it got Kudusiewski in for what? For me, I just love him in that role, that deeper role. I think he revels in it. I think it brings an unpredictability to his game, which he doesn't have when he's on the right. And ironically, um, I kind of called in my talking points after the West Ham game for just Johnson and Kudusiewski to dovetail occasionally and be on each other's side of the pitch and just, and just switch up sides. And lo and behold, later in the game, when, uh, Celso and Hoybier came on and he pushed Kudusiewski up, he put him on the left. I think because he just didn't want to disrupt how much of an issue, uh, Johnson was causing for the, the back line, um, of Newcastle. And, uh, it was just lovely football. I don't know why, but they just must have been going for the record number of nutmegs in a game as well. It was like watching 11 deli alleys out there at one point, honestly. And just the amount of times you go, <laughs> the crowd because they were nutmegging another Newcastle player. It was just incredible. And I mean, look, that's not the be-all and end-all. And then not even the lovely footballs to be-all and end-all. The be-all and end-all is the goals. And it was, this was a complete performance. It had so much. And it just the only disappointment, well, Two, one was the daft Romero tackle, which we'll talk about. And the second one was just conceding that silly late goal because they deserved a clean sheet, the defence, for what they'd done in the game. But other than that, this was right up there with one of the best performances of the season.
0: Yeah, I think that late goal just takes a bit of the gloss off it slightly because as defenders slightly, and-, yeah. and goalkeepers that's what you want to do, keep the other team goalless. and We get your clean dream bonus Yeah, as well. exactly. A matter of minutes away from it. But, you know, take nothing away from Tottenham's performance. They were fantastic. Uh, yesterday. it's just one of those where everything just seems to come together. And as I was saying to you earlier before we were on the pod, it's weird how football works because uh, rewind the month, Spurs lost 4-1 at home to Chelsea. Newcastle then went and beat Chelsea 4-1. Spurs went and beat Newcastle 4-1. Three points, all that matters though, and some really, really uh, good football. I think one person, I think we should probably start talking about, Destiny Doggy, who got his first goal for the club yesterday. He's been coming for quite some time because he takes up some really good positions in and around the box. He's had the number of shots on target this season, perhaps been a bit unlucky that that first goal's not come his way. But he uh, was heavily involved in that move, which put Son down the left wing. And that was a really, really good run from. Uh, a doggy round the back of uh, Bruno Guimarez, uh behind the cells as well. And easy, easy finish for him.
1: Yeah. All four goals were out of the Postecoglou playbook. They absolutely were. Um, I was very fortunate, obviously, to be on the tour in the summer. Um, and one of the best parts of the tour is that you get to see full training sessions, um, especially the ones that they do in front of all the fans. So in Perth, um, what was it Thailand and Singapore, um, Bangkok, you got to see. I mean, in each one, probably a two-hour training session in each. And in each of those, you just saw the foundations being built of the moves we saw last night. And um, You saw just constant attempts of someone in the middle spinning the ball out to the flanks, either a fullback or a winger, flies to the byline, hits it low into the six-yard box where the striker has run in to tap it in. And that is... There's other kind of goals they score. They like, he likes through balls and balls over the top sometimes, Post-Coglu, but on the whole... I'd say probably seventy-five percent of the post-Congolu attacks will be exactly that—a low ball into the six-yard box for the striker to finish. Um, and honestly, I've watched them do it until they were like sick of it, and and just it became instinct. And that's why I think you're now seeing such goals become commonplace. I mean, you can think a load. Sonny scored a load of those kind of goals this season as well. Just just running into the six-yard box and turning in a, a straight, flat, low cross from the side. Um, and the other part that was very Postacoglu in the build-up to the first goal was both fullbacks being inside in the pitch. So you had poro came inside off the flank, fed uh, Udogi. Udogi switched out wide to Son. Son gets down there knocks it back to Udogi. And yeah, his first goal for the club, like you say, it has been coming. Um, a big moment for him. Um, and obviously, we also know now that... Looks like, well, it definitely is a new contract on its way for Destiny Doggy, which is richly deserved. Because this the thing they, they sign these contracts. Um, him, I, I look, I'd be stunned if Pat Matassar doesn't sign a new one soon as well. Um, I think he's only got something like three years left. You know, you tie these players who are going to be superstars down to very long term deals. And especially when you sign them and you sign them on a contract that's before they head back on loan. It's not really representative, I guess, of what they would be worth now. And, and both players, Udogi and Saar, have shown that they're not only very good Premier League players, but they could be top, top Premier League players, like absolute top of the pile in their position. Um, and Udogi, yeah, he's he's obviously had the odd little blip, and he's um, with the um, the mistake last week, the back pass. Sorry, earlier in the week, uh, the mid uh, West Ham mistake with the back pass sending off against Chelsea. He's on four yellow cards. So we've got him and Romero have got three games essentially to get through without getting another one. Um, Otherwise, that's them out for a game. But on the whole, he's adapted remarkably to life not playing as a wing back. It's just, I mean, you can imagine he was signed up, load of Italians at the club, essentially thought he was coming to Little Italy, like a version of it with so many of them. Rocks up, not only are the Italians gone, um well barring vicario coming in um as well but he um you know he's told oh by the way you're not going to be a wing back here and it's like oh, okay right i've got to get my head around that having played as a wing back through and then after that oh yeah by the way you're going to be a number <laughs> 10. <it's like>, <laughs> and just watching it his kind of development has been so impressive um and yeah this is hopefully the first of many goals uh, he's got a lovely kind of link up with Son. I do like that when we see that's something that I think with Johnson playing on the left, we hadn't really seen yet. But with Son, we know that partnership's already grown with Doggy and it, it worked really well, obviously, um, yesterday. So, yeah, big moment for Doggy and get this contract, big long-term one, nice bumper deal for him, get it all sorted out and announced and, um, yeah, start looking forward to him because he's a player that you can really look forward to seeing for years to come hopefully in a Spurs shirt
0: yeah I think carry on the way he's been playing this season then he's got to be in with a good shout of being at the Euros uh, for Italy in oh, this yeah. summer. obviously made his debut uh, I think it was October uh, full debut against England there uh, He's been incredible since he's uh, come into the club this summer. I think we knew he was going to have an impact going forward, going on what he's done for Udinese, but probably maybe surprised quite a few to the levels what he's done it for Spurs this season. Uh, Such a good player. And yeah, great news that they are going to tie him down to a long contract because that's exactly what you want. You don't want these really talented players to be, getting to the final, what, 24 months of the deal because so then the value starts plummeting. Big clubs are going to be sniffing about. So, yeah, uh, a really, really good move uh, for Spurs with a doggy going to be penning a new long-term contract in, in 17. Right then, second goal of the day, uh, Richarlison, a much-needed goal. Uh, first one with his feet as well since he's been at the club. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's such a strange stat, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> I just gotta think every goal's been a headed goal. I mean he scored a few with his feet that didn't count. Yeah. Um but yeah, nah, this is this is a big a big day for him. Um and I mean you've seen it, you could see he's the surgery is hopefully, has been a big, big thing for him. He just looks so much, so sorry, so less restricted. So less? That doesn't make any sense. Much less restricted? No, it's still the same thing. Yeah, he just looks freer. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, I think that's what uh, Andrew said in his post-match press conference and I think Son as well, just in terms of his movement, running a bit more... Smoothing, yeah, it's been such a frustrating start to his Tottenham career. Obviously, injuries haven't helped. He had about three separate ones last year. The lack of, you know, consistent match rhythm at times hasn't exactly helped his case. And yeah, I think it probably was just the perfect time for him to go under the knife. Maybe not from a Tottenham perspective in terms of the amount of players were missing, but it was something that needed to happen. And yeah, they obviously felt We've got to do it now and hopefully it's the uh, start of things to come uh, from him. Uh, I think the goals will do him the world of good and good to see him just having a big impact in that central role because I wasn't sure where he would be starting yesterday when they saw he was in the team whether he'd be back playing from the left as we've seen him do a number of times or through the middle. But it wasn't just in the final third where he had a big impact, it was in and around his own box some headers from corners uh, that produced, I think it was a tackle on Joel Linton, was it? On the edge of the area. Uh, and then leading up to his goal, he uh, got the better of Bruno Gimarej in midfield. Big tackle that sent uh, Son on his way and some really, really good play from Son to get the better of Kieran Trippier who, to be fair, had a bit of a nightmare in the final 15 minutes at Goodison the other day, maybe. Ange and Spurs fought Maybe Sonny probably would be the better option on the left uh, to get the better of Trippi. And, you know, which wonders. Richarlison on hand uh, to put the ball in the bottom corner. And I think probably just a big, big weight lifted off his shoulders.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know, <clears throat> excuse me, I know he admitted um, in the mixed zone that he the the kind of groin problem that he had, the pubic bone injury was so sore that he couldn't actually hit a shot without being in pain. He wasn't being able to just strike a ball cleanly. Um, and Anne said, "Yeah, they were only putting him on the left just to get him through games." And it's like that's just the wrong. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm reading too much into it. But the more I hear about stuff like that, it's the same with Sonny. And I think maybe slightly different with Sonny, but. Sonny last season, like eight, nine months, he had pain and it was restricted. I'm sorry, but why not just get it sorted yeah. out earlier on? I think with Son, he's that kind of character that he would just give everything to Spurs and he would kind of almost feel like it was an insult to just stop and, and get the surgery. But you just wonder how much maybe a better season Spurs would have had and he would have had had he got it done. And I think it's the same with Richarlison. You, you kind of wonder... How in the world did it get all the way until like November until he decided that he really needed to get it sorted out? I think maybe this is a case. Yeah, we always know that footballers play through little niggles, knocks, and pains and issues, and they try to wait until there's a little period of time they can sort things out. But yeah, I just you wonder how much time Richardson's almost wasted when he could have been scoring more goals? Couldn't he have um, just got it done in the summer? that didn't did that. he have the problem in the summer? It's, it's, I'm not entirely sure on the time frame of this one because some people seem to suggest it was longer. Some people seem to suggest it's kind of since the start of the season. Um it, obviously,
0: the, the comments, what's been said before, just the way he's been talking about it suggests it has been a bit of a longer-term issue, especially yeah. if they're talking about his struggles last season as well. I don't know. At least yes. he's had it done now, I suppose.
1: Maybe a new manager coming in. He was worried that yeah. he, it was an yeah. important time to miss. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, his stats yesterday, one tackle, one interception, one clearance, one dribble. He won four duels, one possession back three times, six shots at goal, three on target. Um, and obviously, like I say, it was an inch away from from getting what would have ended up being the third goal. That, yeah, the finish was really nice. Opened up his body for that first goal. Um Just as someone was kind of coming into him. his movement was really good. Like you said, won the ball that started the move in the first place. Pedro Porro involved again. I'm going to talk about Pedro Porro and rave about him in a little while. Um, But yeah, this was brilliant from Richarlison. This was everything we were kind of waiting and hoping to see—a really complete performance. Like you say, the defensive side of his game—they've really missed harry kane obviously missed harry kane in his goals but they've also missed harry kane being the first head on a lot of defensive set pieces whether it's free kicks or corners and i felt richarlison brought that back um yesterday and also when you've got a team that's only got one natural center back and not a lot of height in the back line otherwise suddenly having someone that's very good in the air uh, able to defend from set pieces it makes a huge difference um, now, this was brilliant for him. It was everything, probably, that he could have dreamt of the night before when he was told he was going to start. The only thing was, it's classic with Charlison. You know, he played 73 minutes. Him and Sar both somehow played 73 minutes despite having only had a handful of minutes in previous games, and he still looked thoroughly distraught and <laughs> devastated when he was taken off. It was, I was like, I know he could have got a hat trick, but come on. I mean, if ever there was a sensible substitution, that's it, because you know the worst thing you can do with a player is overstretch them, make them tired, and then they do something stupid like pull a hamstring, going for something. Um, and I just love his face, honestly. He's the most emotive guy. Um, and he just, he came off and like, Postacoglu just grabbed him as if to say like, it's all right. <laughs> like gave him a massive hug and said like, you've been terrific. Um, it was so good. Uh, now this it, was brilliant. It's
0: Go always on. the same with him when he comes off. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's 45 minutes or it's like 96. His face yeah. is always the same. It's just like, he's sulking. He wants to be on uh, all the time. But I think it was the, probably the right call bringing him off, especially when you know, this is his first start since Palace. Uh, given the surgery, you just don't want to push him too much. And yeah, it would have been nice if he was on the pitch when they got the penalty, whether or not they're taking it, I don't know.
1: Interesting trust one. Yeah, I'd imagine Son is probably the penalty taker uh now. And it was a lovely penalty, actually. His, but yeah. you would have thought he'd have probably offered it to him, wouldn't you?
0: Because you know, Ange previously said, Towards the start of the season, one of the presses when he was asked about penalties, I think he was saying Sonny Richie and Mathers are the ones who are That's pretty good. Not
1: Basuma. <laughs> yeah,
0: Besuima <laughs> will be nowhere near them. Uh, so I, I don't know whether whether or not Son had to let him take it, but penalty went in. Don't matter.
1: Yeah. And if people are wondering why we're saying definitely not Basuma, is because And <laughs> explained in that press conference that Basuma would also, for some reason, go and practice penalties with them and he would take hundreds and he said like most of them would end up flying over the bar and into like different training pitches and stuff. And then when he did score one, he'd wildly celebrate it if it was like the greatest thing ever kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that's why we're saying not Basuma. But um, nah, this was massive from Richarlison um, and hopefully now you know, this leads to seeing that kind of front three on a more permanent basis, I think, which hopefully also has a knock-on effect of seeing Kulisevsky in a deeper role on a more permanent basis. Because I think if you can get all those four attacking players on the pitch, I know it's very attacking, but you just, you increase your chances, I think, of finishing off a lot of the moves that Spurs are creating. And I think that's no coincidence. That's why they did that yesterday.
0: Yeah, I think we've, with Richarlison playing in the central role as well, it gives Spurs a bit more presence up front, and he's someone who can, you know, tire out the defenders. And it's also good. There's options there. Richie can play off the left. Sonny can play through the middle. Yeah. So it might be it can be fluid. Uh, yeah, yeah. Horses for courses. At some point, depending on who they're playing, he might want to switch things about. But there's always going to be chances uh, in Ange Postacoglu's Tottenham team. It doesn't matter if Sonny's on the left or through the middle. Opportunities on goal are going to be there for him, Uh, but yeah, good to see uh, Richie get two goals and hopefully uh, more to come. Should we talk about his second one anyway? Because yeah,
1: I was just going to say very briefly on Richardson. The other thing, as you say, more as a focal point and more options. They did occasionally knock it slightly longer out of defence. Um, so, all of those calling for that, that they were actually able to do that because, and I'm not saying every time, but once in a while they could look up, see there maybe wasn't an option right next to them to pass the short pass, but they would see Richardson kind of moving into space. They knew that if they knock it kind of anywhere around chest level, head level, he's probably going to be able to bring it down or control it. Um, and it did just give them a little outlet ball at times. I'm sure wouldn't want them using it all the time. But just once in a while to mix it up, it wasn't a bad thing.
0: Yeah. Right. Richie's second goal uh, of the game. Uh, I think we need to talk about Pedro Porro here. Oh. What a ball over the top that was. Pinpoint and really good finish from Richarlison as well.
1: Yeah, it is. It's one of those passes. I say this every time with players like Pedro Porro. If someone like Kevin De Bruyne hits that ball puts it on a sixpence. We're all raving about it. You know, the news channels are showing that over and over again, Sky Sports News. And it's ah, oh, what an example of incredible and Poro is doing this consistently. That was it was a phenomenal diagonal ball. And actually I would say that a little bit like the penalty for Son, kind of Richardson takes a slightly heavy touch but actually ends up working in his favor because it pushes it into a really, I mean, he may have meant that I could be doing him a terrible disservice. He might've meant it, but it just put it into this really awkward position where Dubravka came out, but then suddenly was like too far over the ball had kind of gone almost round him by the time he came out. So then he kind of just was able to knock it then through his legs and it ends up, you know, being a lovely finish as well. But Porro, my goodness. Um, Porro was just, I mean, do you want to talk about Poro now? Or are we going to save a little section for Poro? I'm happy to do either. Oops.
0: We'll talk about him now, Sobsey. We've, yes. we've mentioned him starting. <laughs> it. It's early, right? We'll, uh, you know, give him his flowers now. Uh, what I did notice after Rich Allison scored, some others might have seen this. Destiny, your dog is on the edge of the box. You can see this from the angle from behind the goal. As soon as Richarlison scores, Destiny Doggy just points straight to Porro. Uh, I think a handful of players go towards Richarlison, and then a Doggy basuma and Saar, they go straight to Porro as well. Who obviously, as the camera showed, he celebrated with Ange Postacoglu and the assistant manager Chris Davis after the goal. I think Ange was, you know, very very pleased with that assist.
1: It really was. And actually, just before I move off of Richarlison. That's now four goals and three assists in his 14 matches this season. So a direct goal involvement in one in every other game, Yeah, which suddenly looks a lot better than it did <laughs> uh, previously. That's very good. Yeah, But yeah, Porro, honestly, go on, go on. You're going to say something about Richardson. Go on, get it. Up, uh, get it
0: no, I was just saying, not bad. It's a decent record, oh. isn't it, on paper when you're looking at it?
1: yeah yeah all of that kind of praying to the the poster that you've got in your you know (laughs) downstairs in the shrine it's it's all paid (laughs) off Pretty good no no it's fantastic to see it is and I i think everyone wants him to justify the price tag and i think everyone wants him to kind of be a massive success because he clearly wants to give everything he clearly cares about the the team and the club and everything and yeah, it's just everyone's been looking for that little bit more quality. I could even see early in the game, because he had a, a deflected shot from Kulusevski pass that I think it, it just deflected over the crossbar. And I think people started to grumble as, well, oh, he's not going to put anything on target kind of thing. So to come away with a couple of goals was was just lovely for his own confidence as well. But Pedro Porro, oh, Pedro <laughs> Porro, honestly, he's been, for me, one of the revelations of this season. And not just for Spurs, I think in the Premier League, Um, He's got four assists in his last five games. He is, I've got his stats here somewhere. I want to read them off because it was just so good. Um, Here we are. Three key passes, three shots at goal, one dribble, three tackles, one interception, one clearance, nine crosses, six long balls, and two through balls. Um, He was involved in every single goal um he'd already found Romero with an early corner that Romero you know it was cleared off the line so you had that would have been an assist um like i said came in picked uh, came off the flank picked out the doggy for the opening goal uh second goal it was his lovely crossfield ball that Trippier couldn't quite cut out it kind of skimmed off the top of his head to went to son uh, third goal, obviously, that beautiful ball into the path of Richarlison. Fourth goal, his through ball to Son. Uh, then Son was brought down for the penalty. He's just been phenomenal. I've, I've already planned to ask Postacoglu about him in the presser on Thursday. I, I, I want to I hear him go wild for Poro because, like you say, he did give him a huge kind of bear hug after that goal. Um, just phenomenal. Six assists in 15 Premier League games. I'd imagine, I think he's around nine assists in the Premier League since he's joined, which I think must be... I remember there was a stat that only Trent Alexander-Arnold and Trippier had more assists as a fullback than him, and he must be getting up there now. He must be kind of creeping closer to them. And I just love the fact that he was a player that we all had, I think, doubts about. And, you know, and you're going to tell me you probably didn't now. But, <laughs> but you know, I think more doubts in the fact that he was a player that Postacoglu was inheriting, a player that was coming in quite awkwardly on a loan deal with an obligation to buy when you've got a new manager who plays a different system to what he's been used to playing. But we talked about earlier about Udogi, um having to adapt to being a fullback and also playing a number 10. I don't think anyone has managed that transition as well as Pedro Porra has. That's just, who knew that he'd end up being a number 10 as effectively as he is a right-back? And I think a lot of it comes down to the quality he has on the ball, that ability to pick out a pass. um, And what I love about Porro is there's no thought in terms of, and that's a good thing. There's no hesitation as he's about to hit a ball. He just instantly knows he's got a great radar where everyone is. um, And... Even his defending has come on leaps and bounds. Very little gets past him now on the pitch. His pace is excellent. His awareness is really growing, his anticipation. But going forward, I mean, he is probably Spurs' most creative player when Madison's out. And that's – I don't know if that's a particularly great thing in terms of I'm not sure your right-back should be your most creative player, but certainly take it. And if you can add other creativity to it, the likes of Kuliszewski and obviously Son getting two assists yesterday as well, and I think Johnson will contribute with a lot of assists as this season goes on, especially the this move where it's a, a run to the byline, low cross that suits Johnson's pace perfectly. But yeah, Pedro Porro, I mean, he's got to be, I mean, he's got to be up there for player of the season when it comes to it, doesn't it? Right now, if he continues how he's going,
0: yeah, uh, right now uh, I think so. We're obviously going to talk about a bit of a. Fans Footballer of the Year Award, we're doing, uh, obviously, football London Probably should be in contention for that now. Uh, it could be. Yeah, we'll talk
1: about it. It's a difficult one, because right, that's an annual yeah. one. So it's for the year of 2023. But yeah, certainly for this season, I think he could be up there.
0: Yeah, very much so. Uh, I think probably you can see why if you maybe had a few concerns with him switching to being a right-back imposter Coglu yeah. system, because last year, good going forward, but when he was played as a right back, I think the Newcastle game, he really, really struggled and against Liverpool as well, at fault for a couple of goals. I think who was it? Lion City Sailors pre season. Yes. I think he was probably at fault for the first goal, but he's adapted so, so well. You you, you always know, even though he's going to be operating as a right back, imposter cognitive system, you're going to be spending an awful lot of time in the final third. So you never had concerns about his play uh, going forward and now he's adapted so so well and I think you've also got to take into account that he was new to the Premier League in January he's probably had near enough going on what 10 months or so now uh, in the Premier League so that's always going to help his uh, adaptation period and He's been fantastic. I mean, his quality on the ball is so so good. We've seen that numerous times this season Burnley away, I think it was his long ball what put Son through. Uh for his it might be in his hat-trick goal. Incredible Get, ball that one. Yeah, against Aston Villa as well. The might of long balls he put over the top with Villa playing that high line to set Brendan Johnson free. Uh really really impressive as well and I mean that ball uh yesterday to Richarlison if that was Trent Alexander-Arnold making that pass I think uh, a lot of the being said about about it and just his vision uh, to pick out these passes his weight of passes extremely good it's always uh, on point and yeah he just seems to go in strength to strength uh, with each passing game and six assists for the season last season it was 14 assists that was for Sporting CP and Spurs yeah given the way he's going at the moment, I think he'll be hitting that target, potentially even surpassing it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just very quickly, only because it's just popped up on my phone, Richardson has been speaking about his injury. Must have been some of those quotes from the Mix Zone have come out. So we can get an answer to our questions that we were asking earlier in the pod. He said, I've been suffering since last season. Um I've been treating it, but it wasn't helping. I had several injections in the area and there went several procedures and it didn't resolve the problem. Surgery was the last plan. And as it didn't, hadn't worked, I decided to have the surgery and was also thinking about the club, the national team. I'm much better than before. I feel confident. I feel 100%. I think this surgery helped me a lot to recover in training. Now I'm training without pain and this is helping a lot. It is evolving every day now and thinking about the next game. So there you go. He has been having it for a while. I think, to be fair, me kind of I'm going to go against what I said earlier about the surgery thing, but I have always been told that by people around players that surgery is always seen as the last resort. It's like a drastic action to take if nothing else works. Um, and yeah, but hey, it's done the trick in this uh, in this uh, occasion as well. But yeah, Poro absolutely, honestly, phenomenal. I'm so kind of pleased with the way he's going kind to of go on because he also seems to be the most likable guy around the club. Um, I even saw on Instagram last night, Christian Romero among his photos had him with the player of the match award. I don't know whether he's ended up with that somehow or whether he's nicked that off of Son because I'm pretty sure Son, I think it was the, the actual premier league man of the match award and Porro had put underneath in the comments, like, give Sonny his award back or something like that. <laughs> because yeah, I mean, Sonny has to win that or, or Porro um, Romero is okay. Um, but, yeah, I can't imagine how he ended up with a man of the match if he did actually get it. Did get it?
0: I think there was a few more players ahead of him uh, in the yes. order for a man of the match yesterday. Uh, but, yeah, at least he had a picture with it, though. That's what he wanted.
1: <laughs> so that's all that counts. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> right, we're halfway through the pod. So, Ali, do you want to let everyone know about the benefits of using NordVPN?
1: Of course. If you're not aware by now, the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN and you can use their service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world and that means there's no buffering, no lagging, and you can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. As you're well aware, if you've heard me talking about the kind of extolling the virtues of NordVPN it is something that I've used for many years long before they came on board as a podcast sponsor for us and uh, it's a brilliant service it allows you to watch whatever you like anywhere in the world whether that be stuff that you'd watch back home in the UK and you want to take it with you or watch stuff from other countries and you want to watch it in the UK and also there's a an enhanced security element as well if you want to use public wi-fi it just helps that little bit more to try to Stop those nasty people getting into your devices and taking things off of them you don't want them to. And not only that, but the outlay on the Nord VPN subscription is cheaper for you in the long run. That's because you can purchase streaming services or booking from other countries at a much cheaper rate. So, for example, you could book flights from another country and it could be cheaper too than booking it from the UK. Um, and that means you're paying out for Nord, but you're actually saving money overall. There's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash goldguest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee.
0: Let's talk about Brendan Johnson because he's getting a good run in the Tottenham team uh, at the moment. It's said it a number of times on the pod. It's just been such a... Uh, stop-start beginning to his Spurs career, especially the first couple of months with all the international breaks, the injury as well, but getting a good run in the Spurs team. And, you know, on another day, maybe could have had two goals to his name and potentially an assist. First effort, what, hit the post, really, really good strike. Uh, The second one was so unlucky. I don't know if he was trying to cross it or what, he just seemed to maybe take a slight bobble before he made contact with it. I thought I was going to hit the post and go in. And then the assist, when he put it across uh, the face of goal and Saad just couldn't get the right connection on it. I think I think Johnson had an impact. Uh, his pace is just going to be huge for Andrew Postacoglu's team. Uh, and I think the assist will start to rack up. I think he'll score at Forest on Friday. I think it'll Dude. just all come together for him on Friday. It's bound to happen.
1: Yeah, I thought, well, Ben Davies said after the game that he felt it was Johnson's best game in a Spurs shirt. Um, I think it could have been. Obviously, he's he's contributed directly um, in other games with assists and a goal, obviously, against Wolves as well. But, yeah, as you say, I think this is one of these where fine margins prevented him having something to show for it as well. I, I think the second effort was a shot. I think it was like a rising shot he was trying to put in the top corner. But... Yeah, it was very unlucky. I mean, to come out the inside of the post and not go into it. Normally, you see them fly in. Um, he was excellent. He's, I think a lot of it did help that he was on his natural side. I think being more comfortable flying down the right um, really did help him. And he's just such an exciting young player. He's It's remarkable to think he's only 22 as well. and There's so much more that can kind of be added to his game. Um, and as Ben Davies said, he kind of is coming with a 47.5 million pound price tag and it hasn't really affected him that much. I wouldn't say he's been weighed down by the price tag. Um, he's getting fitter now and you know, I know he came off late yesterday, but he's, he's getting pretty much almost the full 90 minutes each time. Um, and I feel like he's contributing a lot more defensively as well, getting back and really kind of playing a part. In that respect, I think I might have his stats. I'm trying to remember if I did that. Yes, three key passes, went on four dribbles, made one tackle, one interception, and one clearance. Um, and like I say, when decky was pushed back up the pitch late in the game, he stayed on the right just because he was so effective there and he was causing so many problems for I mean Tino Livramento has been really good. He's had an excellent yeah. season, but he just absolutely struggled. Um and you know, this is the thing is like people have been bashing Postacoglu kind of naivety and his tactics and things like that with results, not particularly going Spurs way, but I thought he got it spot on. I thought his tactics were absolutely right to get at Newcastle, not only kind of nullify them at the other end, but absolutely tear uh, their defense apart in the way they, they attack the fullbacks. Um, Yeah. no, Johnson, this was a, a big stepping stone for him. I felt and, I'm with you I think I could see a goal coming at Forest which there's no way on earth he's going to celebrate surely Um, kind of having come through as a hometown boy I can't see him celebrating a goal if he does score there but uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see the reception he gets hopefully it should be a good one I can't
0: can't see why he wouldn't I mean he played an absolute pivotal role in them returning to the Premier League for the first time in what about 22-23 years Mm. Uh played a big, big role in them staying in the Premier League as well last season. So yeah, come through the Academy. He should get a really good reception.
1: Yeah. And he brought in a load of money for them as well, which you know they could spend on another 20 players. And <laughs> um, you know, it's yeah, it was just one of those steps up I don't I'd hope no one could really begrudge him for. Um and again, another really Good guy, nice guy. Everyone that speaks about it speaks like, what a good, like nice character he is around the place and how he's got on really well and settled in very quickly. Um, and yeah, I think it will just be interesting to see now what happens with him in the future. Does Postacoglu, I'll ask you this actually as a question, does Postacoglu turn him into a flying winger who racks up the assists or does he turn him into like a an attacker that maybe eventually becomes a central striker?
0: tough one uh, i'd probably go with winger at the moment mm-hmm. i think that's his best position yeah he's played centrally uh for forest before but i think even if he's going to be playing on the right wing yeah he can rack up the assist but he can also contribute with a number of goals as well like i said if you're in spurs's front three opportunities on goal are going to be there for you it's down for you to take them uh yeah, I think he's a really good signing. I think there's a lot, lot more to come from him. Uh, I think potentially starting Friday at the city ground.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's the beauty of it. Like You're quite right. that The wingers in a post system kind of are expected to weigh in with almost as many goals as a centre-forward. So if you end up, let's say, they have Son and Johnson now on the wings, they're two guys that know how to score goals in the Premier League, and then they could get a hefty total. So, yeah, I guess... Maybe I'm trying to put him in a box he doesn't need to be in. Maybe he can be flexible enough to still be everything. Yeah,
0: yeah. What did you make of Eve Bissouma's performance yesterday? Because, I mean, I can't really comment on his performance against West Hamster. Didn't watch it against City. I thought he struggled. Uh, But then, again, you've got to take into consideration he's just been in and out of the team recently because of all these suspensions. And he was struggling for form. Uh, from that losing game but having watched yesterday's performance looked more like him self uh, getting on the ball trying to make things happen I thought he did okay for yeah
1: I'd say he's got progressively better since the City game I thought he was a level above that performance when they played West Ham and I thought yesterday he was then again another step above that um, he looked so much more comfortable with Sar alongside him I think when he plays with Hoybier there's a real crisscrossing of each other's duties and they get into each other's space and Hoybier will come deep and try and get the ball when that's kind of Basuma's remit and it's it doesn't quite work whereas with Sar they've got this lovely kind of it's almost like an older brother younger brother relationship I think I think he calls him his younger brother as well when he talks about Saar Basuma and it's just a knowledge that Sar is going to be charging up and down the pitch. He knows that. I mean, he's got the most ridiculous battery on him. Um, just the the power reserves he has are ridiculous, Sar. And that just allows Basuma to play his role, really. He doesn't have to worry about kind of covering in certain positions. Um, and yeah, I thought he was okay. I, I still don't think we're quite at the dominating level he was earlier in the season when he was driving them forward. And even around the box, you were like, You know, he could make something happen in the box. He's dribbling into the box and and, and creating chances there. I don't think he's quite at that stage again yet, but I do think he's trending in the right direction now. Um, And like I say, having Saar back alongside him consistently, and that's another thing. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Saar in a little bit, but I did think about it last night. Some of their most kind of awkward performances have been without Saar. I wonder whether he's actually been as big a miss as anyone in recent games.
0: Yeah, I think so. I thought he was absolutely superb yesterday. And you can Mm. just see what he brings to the team. He just brings so much energy and drive uh, in the middle. And for someone so young, uh, such a confident player as well. I mean, pretty much taking the mickey out of Anthony Gordon, down the wing, turning him inside and out a couple of times, uh, involved in a lot of Spurs' good play, especially for Johnson's chance, what hit the post in the second half. It was that back heel to Colisescu then drove oh, forward such yeah. a such a good move and you know maybe on another day maybe could have finished that chance from Johnson if he made better contact with it but he's been so good and I mean he's coming up to a year now since his first like Tottenham start his first Spurs appearance and he's grown so much in that uh, amount of time and he's only going to get better playing in Andrew Postacoglu's team I thought he was Really, really good Yes, He just showed, you know, just how important he is to this Tottenham team.
1: Yeah, that moment with the back heel to Kuzewski, that for me, very similar to Poro. what I was talking about, how he's just got such a quick footballing brain and the radar of where everyone is. And that's, I don't, it feels really harsh to draw a direct comparison because they're not playing. They're playing in the same position, but not quite suited in the same way to position. But with Hoybier often there's a little moment's thought before a pass. There's that little moment of hesitation, and that's sometimes when the moment is lost. Whereas with Saar, and we're talking about an attacking sense, when he runs forward, it's an instant, I know what to do with this. I know where this is going. I know where this player is. Um, And you saw that so many times. Um, Only 21 years old. It's just scary, isn't it? It's how good he can possibly be. Um, I've got his stats as well. Two key passes four tackles, one interception. And yes, he should have scored, I think, from that. That ball across from Johnson, which was a lovely one. And it was just funny. He's just a player that Postacoglu kind of really fell for in preseason. It just the more he saw of him, he realized this this kid's going to be something special. You know, There's a reason they call him, um, what do they call him? Uh, Starboy, don't they? Behind the scenes at the club, the other players. Because he's just got everything about him. And I remember asking him, it was before his injury, it was about a month, month and a half back, asking Postacoglu, where's Sar going to end up playing? And he's like, that's the beauty of it. We don't know, you know, because he can can play the six, he can play the eight, he can play the 10, he can play all of those roles and he can even fill in at fullback for you and be just as good. Um, So that must be so exciting for a coach. It's almost like having a blank canvas, but with all of the different colors of paints that you possibly want to to put on it. You can just create whatever you want out of this terrific young player. Um, And he's just so enthusiastic. He's got such a brilliant engine on him and just incredible talent. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was a huge coup, wasn't it? Remember at the time when we wrote about him signing, a lot of people across Europe realized kind of what a class act he was going to be. Maybe it didn't really register over here, as uh, outside the club, as being that particularly a big deal. And I think everyone will now see. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if we get to the end of this season and people talking about him being like a, you know, up in this bracket now. The silly prices that people talk about, people like Casado and stuff like that, and, and they're talking about sal being worth that sort of money because, yeah, he's got the whole road la- uh, laid out ahead of him, and it's very exciting.
0: Well, I mean, if he keeps going the way he is and Spurs end up finishing you know top five come May he could potentially be in the running for PFA young player of the year
1: really absolutely absolutely yeah. that's a great shout I didn't even think about that yeah easily
0: yeah uh, just hopefully he keeps going as he is and as you said earlier in the pod if a doggy signing a new contract San next in line uh, I think it would go down yeah. really really well with uh, the fan base I'd be stunned
1: if it's not happening. Honestly, I'd imagine that is being worked on in the background right now because you have to tie him up to a new deal. You can't have three years left on someone like that. He's got to have like a six-year deal sat out there.
0: He might be like Chelsea kind of deals. Just get him on like (laughs) eight-year contracts or whatever it is. Uh, Right, Christian Romero then. Uh, Second game back following his free match ban, potentially... Could have been looking at a four-match ban uh, for that really? challenge on Callum Wilson. Red card
1: or the right call for you? I thought he was lucky. Yeah. I'll be honest. I thought he was lucky. Uh, I, every time I watched it, I winced, which is just, it's just what Romero tackle is, unfortunately. Um, I do wonder whether there was an element of him knowing it was Callum Wilson. And obviously... You know, we didn't even mention that on Richarlison and everything that kind of Richarlison coming into the game, this was the first time he was coming up against one of either Wilson or Antonio, uh, who infamously on their podcast had a bit of a mocking, kind of trolling him a little bit for his um, celebrations for offside goals and whipping his shirt off and things like that. This was the first time he was coming against one of them because Antonio was injured in the week. And I just wonder whether the other players were very aware of this as well because obviously we're going to talk about his little vicario moment with wilson a couple of them Lacelso looked to get involved as he always does in pretty much every incident that's going and this tackle from romero and wilson as well um it wasn't clever and it was ridiculously unnecessary because there were three nil up at that point no need to fly into a challenge there um, it's just the thing with Romero and it's so frustrating because it's been absent for much of the rest of the season until that daft Chelsea kind of head loss in two moments. And then yesterday he did very well for long periods. They struggled to get past him. He had the big chance that was cleared off the line early on. Um, and even at the end, he was acting as a peacemaker. I saw him th- just essentially throwing La Celso and Vicario away from Wilson kind of confrontation that was going on. Yet in that single moment, had anyone in that VAR room just been a little bit more just having a bad day or something, I don't know. They looked at that in a different light. I think it might not have been too many complaints had he gone. Um, And to get a four-game ban would have just been, oh, my goodness. Can you imagine that? Missing seven games out of nine through suspension. That would be horrendous. And like I said, he's now, he, just, he got the yellow for that, and that yellow puts him on four. He could easily, in the next three games, get another yellow card. It's such a difficult position to kind of avoid that. Although, in the first five games, he didn't even commit a foul. So he, this is the thing, it's, like, it's in him. All this talk about he needs that aggression as part of his game, he's actually already shown that he doesn't have to have it as a constant in his tackling. He can defend and marshal the attacker really well, but that. Yeah, that was a head-loss moment. Look, I know there's people that are saying if you look at the rules where he caught him, technically you can make the case, and as they presumably did, that it wasn't dangerous enough to merit a red card. But my goodness, why even put yourself in the position where that discussion is being had? I just don't don't get those moments that he had. I really don't.
0: Maybe he wanted the festive period off, because the fall match ban <laughs> had <laughs> been back for Burnley at the start of January in the FA Cup.
1: That used to be uh, the old cliche because some players yeah. would actually do that, wouldn't they? They'd deliberately get themselves sent off.
0: Yeah. Uh, for me, it was a red card. I think yeah. I thought as soon as that tackle was made and he was given the booking, there was a bit of a pause. I thought, here we go, VAR, are going to get involved here and yeah. up, upgrade it like they did with Curtis Jones at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium at the end of September. It wasn't a good challenge at all. Obviously, catching Wilson on the ankle, and then with his other foot swiping at him—scissors, uh it was
1: like scissors, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, a scissors yeah. tackle. It was yeah, not yeah, good. Yeah, it was a red for me. uh It's just so so lucky to get away with it because I thought mm. nine times out of ten he probably would have got sent off for it. uh But yeah, he's shown in the first half of the season, or anyway, prior to that red card against Chelsea, he can control it. But you know, you're always going to get these. Moments in games where he's going to jump in for a big tackle and maybe catch someone. I don't think you can, you know, eradicate that from his game fully. He's always going to have that, you know, edge to him because that's the way he's always played. That's the way he's probably been brought up to play. Uh, I mean, that would have been an absolute nightmare if he was given the red card and a four-match ban, two games. You know, after coming back from a three-match ban.
1: Imagine that club fine the club final would have been huge it would have been like months worth of wine, a couple of months you'd have thought
0: yeah uh, but luckily for Spurs didn't see red yeah. in the end but yeah hopefully no more of those kind of incidents coming up then uh, as you mentioned as well there was a bit of a moment between Guglielmo Vicario and Callum Wilson at the end I think Wilson not happy with Vicario supposedly pulling faces at him after saving a yeah. shot yeah Bizarre.
1: Yeah, because, well, we saw the commotion at the end, and we didn't, kind of, we had missed, it's difficult to see for the press box why it had happened. And looking back, what I think has happened is that um, there was one moment when Vicario grabs the ball. I don't know if it was a cross or what it was, but as he grabbed it, Wilson gives him a little bit of a kind of a shoulder bump, like a push away. It's kind of, it's unnecessary. And then he kind of says something to him with a big grin on his face. And then I think, as long as it's chronologically the right order, he then. Uh, Wilson gets a reasonable chance, but heads it really tamely at goal. Vicaro just catches it nice and easy. And then, yeah, sticks his tongue out um, at Wilson and laughs at him as he does. Um, and. It's quite funny, actually, because it was very similar to Postacoglu uh, celebrating the goal with his tongue kind of hanging down as well. It looked like it was about to the hacker, the um, New Zealand um, uh, rugby thing. It is New Zealand, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Just for a moment, my brain froze. Um, Yeah, and so he does this to uh, Wilson, who clearly doesn't like that. And at the end, they have like a, a whinge at each other. And then, yeah, Wilson after the game digs out your mate Jordan Pickford as well um, and said that, you know, it's about people not knowing how to win properly. And uh, we saw it when Pickford was running around. Um, the goalkeepers, pulling faces. There's a lack of respect. We're grown men. I've said my piece and we move on to which Vicario put on Instagram, um, respect is given to everyone that respects me. And I have to admit, there's a huge dose of hypocrisy going on there. <laughs> If Callum Wilson, who publicly in a podcast has run down, mocked or trolled, whatever you want to call it, another striker in the Premier League, can then say someone else disrespect him on a football pitch. Oh, come on. It's like, it's really kind of, it's childish. It's just a bit of fun on the pitch. The amount of times that there's little things that strikers probably say to defenders or goalkeepers that we'll never hear of, like when they nutmeg them or or when they get past them that's what football is. It's people just having a little bit of kind of a poking fun at each other as well. And I just thought there was a touch of sour grapes about it. There was, I've lost a game. I'm really unhappy. I'm going to take out my frustration here and just blame everyone else for something. And I like Callum Wilson. I think he's a really good player. And I kind of wish Spurs, I remember back when Newcastle got him, but I think Spurs kind of balked at the price when he was obviously had his injury issues. Um, but this for me was just oh, just a nonsensical kind of moment that he kind of blew out bit of proportion um and obviously the fact that we can kind of see it now uh, in all its glory with Vicario's face and stuff like that and even the uh the Spurs admin getting involved on their social media account with uh, Richarlison uh it was a really nice little edit they'd uh, deliberately kind of it was deliberately didn't look like a great crop so that it looked like it was kind of roughly done of did you ever watch the Last Dance documentary? I did. I did. Uh, yeah, brilliant, absolutely brilliant series. Michael Jordan, and Chicago Bulls, and they'd used the moment when Michael Jordan says, um, "I and I took that personally," and they'd superimposed <laughs> Richardson's face on it. And it's, that's the point, isn't it? It's like he did his response with his feet, and and you know, and he and he scored the goals. And I do think that this was all a bit sour grapes, and like I say, massively hypocritical.
0: Yeah, well, I think if you want to respect, then you know maybe don't be slagging off fellow pros on your own podcast. But there you go. So exactly, yeah. So Forest up next uh, on Friday night at the City Ground should be a really, really good atmosphere because it was at the City Ground last year in August. Uh, Friday night under the lights, Forest desperately need a win. They've had a bit of a rotten run of late under Steve Cooper. I, I thought he'd have gone after last week against Fulham when they lost 5 0, but still in the job, got a good point at Wolves, and now he needs a win. Uh, this is a chance, obviously, for Spurs to carry on the momentum from Sunday against Newcastle. And, you know, three points will put them into a, a good position in terms of, you know, keeping up the pace and the pressure on the top four.
1: Yeah, it's, I'd like to see a clean sheet. I yeah. think that's so important for this defence because that late goal was a daft one to concede. Obviously it came through Hoybier playing a, a a pass that just was never gonna make it through and and then the kind of the defence were caught on their on their heels a bit because of that. But I'd like to see a clean sheet and yeah, I mean, it's the old cliche, you know, touch wood. They're kind of they're a team that are there for the taking if Spurs want to step up and battle. Because that's the most important thing. And that's what Postal keeps trying to instill in them. It's like, yeah, it's great that you're playing a nice football, but you can't rely on the nice football to win the games. You've got to actually have the steel behind it. And in his word that he loves using at the moment, conviction. Um, apparently, Eddie Howe used that in his post match press conference as well. We didn't have the conviction. Maybe it's going to be the new buzzword this season. Um, and yeah, I think, like you say, it's a big kind of homecoming for Brendan Johnson. Um, they've all got what's that five days to recover. So everyone hopefully should be in a good place. Fitness wise. It's a a reasonable week on the training ground as well to really kind of put into place a lot more of this, uh, the attacking element, the game with Richarlison through the center and we wait to see what happens with Chris Davies as well. Um, obviously the Chris Davies situation, uh, Postecoglou pretty much said it's in his hands. He's probably going to have to make the decision. He wasn't giving anything away last night either. He said he wasn't thinking about it. Neither was Chris Davies. I was watching Chris Davies a couple of times. He was obviously celebrating as wildly as he would normally for the goals. Um, I mean, just to ask you, it's 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 one. It's a it's a bit of a no-brainer for him. It's a great opportunity for him, surely, to take if if he gets offered the job. And you'd imagine he will be.
0: Yeah, I think was he at Swansea coming through yeah. under Brendan Rodgers, were not he? Uh, like 2011, 2012. So, yeah, if you want to take your first steps into management, then maybe uh, Swansea could be the position for him. I think they're in a decent enough position in the championship. Maybe put a run together uh, for the playoffs come the end of the season. Good club. Uh, yeah, I think... If your end goal is to become a full time manager, then maybe this is the opportunity for him.
1: Yeah, and he loves his possession of football. That's what he's all about. It'll suit Swansea down to the ground. Um, Postacoglu called him outstanding in his pre match press conference. And he said, and, and you get this impression with Postacoglu, he gets as much joy from developing coaches as he does from developing players. And he loves them to go on and have success. And as he said himself, I'd be more concerned if people weren't looking to take my staff because it shows how good they are. Um, and what would you do now? Again, this doesn't obviously, unless you're going to send another lengthy email to Ange, this isn't going to affect his thoughts, but would you promote someone like, I guess, maybe either Ryan Mason or Matthew Wells, Matthew Wells has got the experience as an assistant manager for Scott Parker. And I think about three different clubs. Fulham, Bournemouth, and in Belgium as well, I think. Um, and then bring in another kind of younger coach, or would you bring in another slightly more experienced coach, like a coach like Chris Davies was, who'd been um, had a bit more experience as an assistant manager. Which way would you go? Uh,
0: I mean, Davies is still quite young, isn't he? Is he late? Oh, yeah, he's early. Late? 40, Yeah, but he has built oh, yeah, a, a lot of experience in the game. Uh, yeah, Mason Wells have. You know, plenty of experience. Maybe you promote one of those uh, into Davis's position and bring someone else in. What's Harry Kewell doing now? Because obviously he was linked, wasn't he, with. Uh, like Celtic,
1: uh, isn't he?
0: Uh, I don't know. I can't remember if he's on uh, Brendan Rodgers' staff. It was the chap. I think he at, stayed there. I'm
1: pretty sure he did.
0: It was the chap at Celtic that were linked with John Kennedy. Yes, yeah. that's it. Uh, but, I mean, he's committed his future to Celtic, didn't he, in the summer. So,
1: yeah.
0: uh, I've, I think Ange maybe promote one of Mason and Wells and bring in a younger coach with fresh ideas. He always likes that, doesn't he? Uh, every club he's been at, having someone new coming in, uh, new ideas. So, uh, maybe that.
1: On a little Harry Kuhl update. Quite interestingly, he is still at Celtic, but he's funnily enough being lined up potentially, or he was earlier in the week, as a potential front runner for the Yokohama Marinos managerial job, which would be a very strange kind of cycle, wouldn't it? Him going back into Angie's former club. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, they were linked with Paul Clement, Spurs. I remember that. Um, and there was another experienced coach back in the summer as well that they didn't end up going for. It's a difficult one because he wants someone that is going to be kind of he can develop and, and mould in a way, um, rather than a very experienced coach who is very set in their ways and what they do. So yeah, I think that bracket, that age range of the late kind of thirties is quite a good kind of age range for his coaches. Um, because they can subscribe to his doctrine in a way and, and play exactly how he wants them to. But uh, yeah, Chris Davies will be a loss, but I think the beauty of the Postacoglu way is coming into a club, new coaches every time, surely because it's his way, and he, I think Harry Kuhl once said, didn't he, 48 hours is all it took him yeah. to, uh, to take on his philosophy, that yeah you um you can bring someone else in and should be able to assimilate them quite quickly, hopefully.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, we have the Tottenham Hotspur Fans Footballer of the Year for 2023. It's the big award. Forget the Ballon d'Or and the PFA Player <laughs> of the Year. This is the one all Tottenham players want uh, come the end of the year. So we have four candidates. It is for... Twenty twenty three. It's been such a tough one in terms of picking because
1: yeah, because the first half of the year was rubbish. <laughs> That's why. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, we have come up with four names: the four are Harry Kane, Son Heung-min, Guglielmo Vicario, and James Madison. Obviously, Kane's not a Tottenham player anymore. He's at Bayern Munich. Or, he isn't. No. No, <laughs> but we just we can't ignore what he did for Spurs, I think in the first nah. six months of this year, because if he went for Kane last season, God knows where Spurs would have been in the league. The one that'd been eighth, where they finished, put it that way, uh, that was 30
1: Premier League goals. Yeah. You didn't want to put Richardson in your list?
0: No, uh, no 2024 maybe, uh, but I don't think we I'm can sorry. include Richie. Uh, it's just been one of these years, Uh Porro, maybe looking back at it now, you could have maybe included him, but then I again, really think so. He had a few shaky moments at the beginning of the year. Uh, Sa, I think we agreed at the time. I mean, he was, didn't really get a run in the team, did he, under Conte? There was those wow. few good performances, most notably AC Milan in the Champions League at the San Siro. What a European debut that was. Uh, yeah. But after that, he still didn't get and run even though we deserve the run in the team so it has been tough trying to pick far for 2020. It's a nightmare
1: let's be honest it's a complete nightmare because everyone looks at it and there'll be loads of names that people are screaming at us now who are doing really well this season but this is you know how many months of this season we've had you know what three four months and there's five months of the previous season you've got to take into account as well. So that kind of justifies, I guess, more of your vote as well, looking back. And like I said, it was pants (laughs) to the end of last season. It was utter garbage on the whole. Ah, do you know what? I think it has to be Harry Kane. In my mind, I would go for Harry Kane. I think because like you say, the sheer amount of what he did before he left. And as you say, I'm, Dread to think where they would have been, um, especially with Son carrying the injury. Uh, the injury, which obviously we now know, and yeah, I think in hindsight, because we picked these names a little while back, I would say that Porro, overall, especially if he continues this for the last three weeks of the year, I think he might creep in there. I know, yes, he had some shaky moments. I remember against Leicester, the debut was iffy, and against Newcastle, playing in you know that horrendous backline that they tried to do. But I actually think overall, still his contribution improved as that season got to its near its conclusion. And I think add that to what he's done this season. I mean, you could argue that Sonny Sonny has been brilliant this season, and still contributed kind of goals and moments last season, despite um, at the end of the second half of last season, despite being absolutely kind of restricted by his injury. Um, it's so difficult. It's like you can't really give it to Vicario for three, four excellent months. Madison, that's even shorter because of the injury. Oh, honestly, I'd love to know if you're you know, listening to this on the podcast version, please send us a tweet or whatever, any post on any social media platform, let us know who you would pick. And likewise, if you're watching this now on the YouTube channel, please comment underneath and let us know because we're as stumped as anyone (laughs) trying to actually come up with what should be an easy thing to do, but it's so difficult. And last season being horrendous really has played a part. It's like, could you say that Romero has been good enough? But has, was Romero that great towards the end of last season? I don't think he was. Um, he was a World Cup winner. So I guess, you know, I suppose that's 2022 technically. Um, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, they, yeah. they lifted in December, didn't they? Yeah, pretty much um, a year ago. Yeah. So, yeah, please, answers on a postcard. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, who would you pick? If I, if I forced you right now, you got to pick one. Who would you pick?
0: Kane. I think yeah. over the course of the year, and it is only what five, six months, he out of the four is the one who had the most impacts for me. I think Vicario and Madison are having a big impact now, but
1: mm.
0: you can't give him a. Van De Ven yeah.
1: would have been a big shout as well, yeah, yeah, before the injury. Yeah,
0: I don't think Sonny's done enough over a calendar year. I think he's had the good start this season. Start of the year, he was struggling probably early really from March onwards where he started contributing a bit more in terms of goals. But I think we made these picks at the start of November. So if we were asked to do them again, I think Porro would be included, uh, especially yeah. given his, what, five assists in his last four games or four assists in his last five games, four whatever six, it five, is. Five, yeah. yeah. I'm
1: just looking up Son because I'm just wondering whether data-wise we're doing him a disservice only because I know he obviously. Uh, let's have a look. I've got him here now. Second half of last season. <laughs> yep, I thought we were. Um, he actually scored the bulk of his goals in the second half of the season. He went through a little run where he got one, two, three, four, five, six goals and two assists in about ten games from fe- between February and the end of April. So I think, I think Son actually, in hindsight, probably pushes Kane the closest purely because we know his performances weren't amazing. And the first half of the season, he really did struggle, and we know why. But actually, second half of the season, if you look up his stats and his goals and his assists, I mean, just from... If I'm just going to take 2023 in the Premier League, he scored three, six, seven goals and four assists. So he wasn't horrendous in the latter half of the season at all in terms of the goals. Um, I'm just having a little look in the Champions League. There's none. Yeah, we know the FA Cup didn't go anywhere. <laughs> Although, no, to be fair, he did score two, didn't he, against Preston? He did, In the yeah. fourth round he as did. well.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah. So nine goals and four assists in the second half of last season. Uh, yeah, I might revise that. I think. I think I'd still probably give it to Kane. Oh, but do you? But then I guess you could argue... What he's done this season, he's got another 10 Premier League goals. So, I suppose... Oh, that's a difficult one, that. Actually, that's made it a little bit closer for me. Um, We'll let the people decide.
0: Yeah, yeah. Of course, the people decide. It's between Kane and Son. Let's be realistic. Uh, So, yeah, it's down to you to decide. It'll be on our social channels. It's on the football.london website. We'll put it out there to make sure you can cast your vote. And then there's obviously the same award but for uh, the Nationals uh, so a number of players in that I think there's 12 in the running so yeah we could potentially be heading to Tottenham Hotspur training ground to present song with the award or Munich <laughs> so <laughs> we'll have to wait and see who wins but yeah just let us know folks. right I think that's That's that, ain't it, for today's podcast. There was plenty to speak about after that 4-1 win over Newcastle United. Uh, So just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. To grab a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest. You can receive an extra four months for free, and there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the episode description box.